Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs here, joined by my co-host, Rose L. Harding. Rose, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little, I'm feeling that loss a little bit yesterday, but uh, overall, I'm still doing pretty well. Yeah, yesterday was kind of a rough day for this Trailblazer slash Duck fan. Um, yesterday was Saturday, and the Blazers lost, and the Ducks lost to the Huskies. There's only one team that it's worse to lose to, but we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> oh man, I, uh, I I was like I'm like football agnostic, mm-hmm. even though I'm like from Eugene and I went to the U of O, and I just stopped watching football kind of like maybe in the last like ten years. And so whenever I see the heartache about um, college football, I just feel like I don't know. I just I just I have a lot of emotions because as a sports fan, I know what that feels like. But also, I'm like, this doesn't involve me whatsoever. <laughs> That's just show my empathy. I'm I'm happy for you that you can have that kind of, of separation. You know, what's so funny is like I can be so patient if I'm watching the Blazers and they're like making mistakes, doing things wrong, turning it over. But if I watch the Ducks and they do one thing wrong, I'm like, that's it. I'm turning it off. I can't stand it any longer. <laughs> for some reason, I have no I have no patience when the uh, the Ducks makes a mistake. I don't know. Maybe it's because I watched them struggle for so long when they were not any good. And then they got better and I kind of got used to that. But but anyway, I don't want to turn off all of our uh, fans who, or our listeners who may have attended OSU. I know there's many of them out there. So we will move on. And they had a good day yesterday. They did. Good for them. I'm very happy for them. Um, I wanted to start us off with an icebreaker because I'm relatively new here. And this is one I like to do. I like to do this as a get to know you. It is two truths and a lie. You know, most people have played this, but the idea is that you say two truths about yourself and one lie. And then I, you know, the other person has to guess, which is the lie. All right. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? Um, I'll go first. So my two truths and a lie is I have seen the Blazers play in Seattle, in Oakland, and in Memphis. Shoot, I feel like I should know this one, and somehow I don't know this one. Um, I'm going to say you didn't see them in Seattle. You got that right. I've never watched the Blazers play in Seattle. I actually went to a preseason game uh, in Oakland, and it was the year that the Warriors won their first of all those championships. And it was a preseason game because I was down there for a conference and like tickets were like super cheap. And I went and I sat next to this kid who was probably like, I don't know, maybe 10 years old. And he was totally fascinated by the fact that somebody from a different fan base was watching uh, the Warriors. He was just like, you're here from Portland. Like you're, why are you watching? What? It was so, he was just absolutely blown away by the whole thing. And um, so I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah, I have not seen, I never saw the Blazers play in Seattle. I played, I, that was a straight guess based on just a pure numbers guess, right? That They just haven't played there that many times. They have played there, you know, for like preseason or whatever, but like, there's not that many opportunities. And I knew you hadn't been to the most recent one. And so I was like, wow, that really eliminates a lot of the options. So, and I knew you'd gone to the Memphis one. And I went to a lot of games in the nineties, but at that point we weren't traveling. They were just all here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember when you went to Memphis because I was shocked that you didn't go to Dollywood, <laughs> but you did go to. Did you go to Graceland? Is that right? No, 
no Maybe i didn't go reason. to i didn't go to either of those places we went um i highly recommend by the way anybody going to memphis for a game because memphis is a super cool town and we actually spent a bunch of time at um the stacks music museum and the um the civil rights museum oh, which cool. was really amazing so um really good museums to go to in memphis as well as just like a really fun vibe at the games so what about you what are your two truths and a lie okay i thought about this one for like a while because i wanted to make it good because i'm really really bad at like making these good because i feel like there's like an art to it so okay i have an fbi file i have a fraternal twin and I have one speeding ticket in my entire life, and I got it with the star of the Fast and the Furious in my car. Well, okay, so you have an FBI file, you have a fraternal twin, and you have a you got a speeding ticket with somebody from Fast and Furious. The movies, the Fast and the Furious franchise, was like somebody from that franchise was in your car, and yeah, the you were star speeding. of that of that movie was in my car. Okay, that's like super specific. So I think that is true. But if it is, I need that story. Um, a fraternal. I have so many friends who are twins in my life that that does would not surprise me at all if you were a twin. Although I didn't know, and FBI file. Um, I'm gonna go with B. I don't think you have a twin. You're right. I don't have a twin. <laughs> Although. So I'm adopted. And when you're adopted, you get a file about yourself that tells you um, kind of some basics about you, but it's de-identified. And so they, for a long time, they I did think I had a twin because in my file, I had a sister that was the exact same age as me. But it turns out because of the way Korean age is reported kind of differently than it is in like international age or the age that we um, would use in this country, but they add an extra year. They count the year that you're gestating in the womb. Oh, wow. And so they they didn't know if my sister's age in my file was her Korean age or her international age. And so we would have been the same age if they had been reporting her international age. So you do have a sister. who I do have a sister. So because of the way that they report ages, you thought you were uh, twins with, but turns out your sister's a year older or younger. Yeah, she's a year older than me. Um, but wow. they, I wasn't sure until I met my birth family when I was like 30. And I could confirm that we are not twins. And she's just my sister who's one year older. Like same birthday or like close? No, no, birthday? not same birthday. Because okay. they, they de-identified the birth dates. Oh, okay. Um, So I just knew kind of like a profile of my family, how old my parents were, how old my siblings were. I had three older sisters, but one was either the same age as me or one year older than me, depending on how they were reporting age. Oh my God, that's fascinating. Yeah, so I, so I don't have a twin, but I almost had a twin or I thought I had a twin maybe. Okay, but what about the FBI file? How did you do that? Or can you divulge? No, I can. I can. <laughs> because the FBI came to my house once looking for me. And I was on vacation. I was in New York City. And they didn't go to my house. They went to my parents' house. And it. my mom saw this. She, like, called me up. And she's like, there's these two guys that came to the house looking for you from the FBI. And at first, I thought they were door-to-door -door salesmen. And I opened the door. And I said, not today, boys. And then the guy <laughs> screamed, but we're from the FBI. 
And so she talked to them and it turned out that they were there because a car I had totaled uh, shortly after college, <laughs> uh, you know, you total a car, your insurance company parts it out and then, you know, whatever, they give you the money for it. Well, my bumper, which had my University of Oregon parking sticker still on it, ended up in a war zone <gasps> on a car bomb. Oh my God. <gasps> and they were tracking down the person who had the parking sticker on the bumper because they never removed it. Oh my God. How wild. Wild. And like, they were, you know, my mom was like, oh, well, she's not here right now. And they were like, where is she? And she was like, she's on vacation with friends in New York. And they were like, are you sure? And my mom's like, yeah. Oh my God. So they thought maybe I blew something up in a war zone. Wow. That is, I don't, I'm speechless. <laughs> no idea. It's so weird. And it's so funny. My mom was just ready to slam the door in their face. That's like, so her. <laughs> And she's like, fine, I'll talk to them. But she's like, they look like little boys in suits because they were young. Wow. Okay, so you just told two completely amazing stories, <laughs> but you haven't somehow told me the one about being in the car with the Fast and the, somebody from the Fast and the Furious. Uh, okay, yeah. So this one is from another life. In like the two, in like the early or the late aughts, I would say. I was working with a film festival, an Asian American film festival in Eugene. And there was a year where Justin Lin, who is a director of like Fast and the Furious three through I think six. And then um, he produces them all. He um, came out with a Bruce Lee movie. It was like a comedy about Bruce Lee. And he was in it, or he he directed it, excuse me. And then the guy who played Han in The Fast and the Furious was also in it. And so they were both here promoting this film that we that we were screening at our, at this film festival. And one of the things that I did when they were here is I took them to um, the Asian American Student Unions at both OSU and at U of O. And on Highway 99... <laughs> going to Corvallis I got pulled over for speeding because everybody speeds on highway 99 it's just like it, it is it is inevitability you will speed on highway 99 and I got pulled over with Justin Lin Sung Kang and then also Roger Fan who was in this movie um who's in a bunch of other stuff and he's super great and fun and I got a speeding ticket it's the only speeding ticket I've ever gotten and the more mortifying thing was that that was when MySpace was kind of a thing. Remember when MySpace was like the place where people were? Well, Justin Lin documented this being, <laughs> us being pulled over and put all these pictures on MySpace of us getting a speeding ticket together. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. And at the time, because like he had just gotten control, I think, of his MySpace account from his like, his management or whatever he was like doing it himself at the time do you remember having like a top 
six or five or I don't remember what it was. I don't know how many, but it was like you could choose who was on like your front page and people saw where your friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I was on his top six or whatever. And so people would click on that and then just see pictures of us getting speeding tickets together. And I would get weird messages from people for like years. Like we were really good friends. And I'm like, we're not really good friends. We just got a speeding ticket together. It's fine. I mean, that is a bonding experience. It is. And actually, <laughs> one of the great things about Justin Lin is that he is a mega basketball fan. So we did get to talk about basketball for a lot of it, although he's a Lakers fan. So I have feelings Ooh. about that. Oh. Um, but I got to see him shoot uh, free throws when we were out at the on campus at the U of O. And he's got a, he's got a great form. He's got great form. He's he's short, but he has great form. He loves basketball and he loves the Lakers. And you know what? I love that for him. <laughs> we may need to talk to him and maybe we can convince him to come over to the trailblazer side i mean there's always there's always a chance maybe but he is like born and bred la i think mm. not okay. born but like raised in la yeah if you're if you're raised there it's it's kind of like well i don't who am i to take that away okay i have a couple of thoughts from those stories one is my life is so boring compared to yours <laughs> two is that we have a take does not condone speeding on uh highway 99 between <laughs> Eugene of Cornell. <laughs> even though it's inevitable <laughs> but we do not condone it and um the most i've ever gotten a ticket for is one time i was riding a bike and I didn't stop at a stop sign. So I got a ticket for that. And then another time I was driving in my car and I didn't have my seatbelt on. And that's what I got. Those are the two things that I've gotten tickets for. Is that not like the saddest, most boring life you've ever heard of? Wait, is it? The, aren't you not a, supposed to be, you, aren't they not supposed to pull you over for just not wearing a seatbelt? It's just a, a like a, that's not like a, just a ticket that you get if you pulled over for something else. I mean, it was in the eighties in Eugene um and so i don't i think i was so i don't know if they pulled me over for something else maybe i had a tail light out or something like that and they ended up giving it to me for a a, a seatbelt. that's like the one time ever i didn't have a seatbelt on of course and so i was just like well look at me i'm such a bad girl i got i had gotten i got both those tickets within like a couple months of each other so i was like really on a crime spree at that point um but i've since you know calmed down and corrected the error of my ways and knock on wood haven't had a ticket of any kind in a really really long time that just means you have more money than the rest of us <laughs> yeah probably like it was, they were probably like 80 bucks each or something back in the day I just got one the other day, like last week for not having my tags on my car, even though Ooh. like, so it said my, they said my plates were expired, but they really weren't. I totally renewed them. I just forgot to put the stickers on. Oh, bummer. Oh, that's, that's the bummer. dumbest ticket ever. <laughs> bummer. Yeah. Um, well, that was fun. I feel like uh, I got lucky guessing yours. I feel lucky that I got to hear more about all of your stories because those were amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I feel like I had to tell you some weird stories about my, about my life that like I don't even think about anymore. But like when I tell them, people are like, wait, what? Well, it is the what podcast, right? That's true. Okay. We should talk a little bit about what's happening with the Blazers right now. Let's do it. We've put off talking about last night's loss. I think we just will just acknowledge that it happened and moved on. Move yeah, on. let's just think about it more broadly, like in general, like how are we feeling? How are you feeling? Um, honestly, the Blazers are I am so happy about where they are right now with a nine and four record and coming off a four and two road trip. I never would have uh, guessed that. So I'm feeling 
really good with where the Blazers are right now. And not just about where their record is, but what they look like. Um, and we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. But how about you? Honestly, I did not expect it to be going this well this this soon. Especially, like, remember how everybody felt after preseason and they were like, oh, oh. we can't win a preseason game? Well, and, and they were also terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I felt like what we said to ourselves was preseason doesn't matter, which it doesn't. But we were all a little bit nervous anyway as we said it. And I am so glad that we are where we are. It was such a like lovely surprise to see that we're here instead of, you know, in preseason land where we couldn't win anything and we were getting blown out. Um, but like everybody has really, I think, found a role that suits them. Then no one's like no one's like like pounded into a role that doesn't really fit them so far that I can tell. Um and like there's just no pressure for for um uh like Dame to come back when he's not 100% because they can still win games without him. And that's also a surprise because in previous years, I felt like he felt compelled to play injured because he uh, thought that the team didn't work without him, which was usually true. And that's like a rough place to be in. And now the fact that he can just like, I'm taking this time off. I have a minor injury that I don't want to become a major injury. And I can just sit back and watch my team win games without me. Anyway, that's just been very delightful for me because I really didn't expect it to come together this quickly. I thought that they were going to talk the talk for like several months where they're like, oh, we're just getting to know each other. You know, the chemistry will evolve and it's here. It's already here. And I don't know if it's going to get better. It could even get better. I assume it will get better. And we haven't even seen Gary Payton, the second play yet. And uh, like, there's just a lot still to look forward to. Like, I I don't know. Like, I just didn't expect it to feel this good this quick. Mm-hmm. Well, the low expectations part of me is still like, what's coming? Like, what's happening when, you know, when everybody gets the scouting report and people start taking the Blazers seriously? On the other hand, like, the Blazers have had so many different looks. And it's been so long since the Blazers could put out multiple looks. And I'm not just talking about, like big ball small ball <laughs> you know like multiple yeah. lineups so it's like the tape on any one lineup is not huge you know and i thought when the blazers didn't play damien against the pelicans purely based on my own conjecture and my own like enjoyment of conspiracies i was like oh they don't want the pelican we don't want the pelicans to see the blazers until march because they play now and then they don't play until March. Like they don't want, I didn't like, I was thinking that the team might be like, you know what? Let's make them wait until they actually play against Damien until we actually see CJ against Damien. I thought that was a brilliant move, whether or not it was intended or not. I thought that was brilliant because nobody knows Damien Lillard better than CJ McCollum. And for them to like previous to the game, take that part out of the equation. I don't think the Pelicans were ready. I don't, I think that they were just like, wait, wait, what, what's happening? And I've, I've just seen the Blazers kind of lead the way and making other teams react to them in a way that I don't recall seeing before. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I, I feel the same way about them actually. And it's very interesting that you mentioned them. You think that they kept Dame out so that they didn't give him that look. And I, your I conjecture. A, yeah, I had no. It's funny. I had the similar thought, but like not, not. It's not exactly the same thought. Which was that maybe they wanted to see 
like there's a good chance the Pelicans are going to be a playoff team. I mean, early, early projections, right? But like there's a good chance they're going to be a playoff team and we have seen them before in the playoffs. And I kind of wanted to know if maybe there's a chance that the coaching staff wanted to see what other looks might work without Dame to throw at this team, that they might use it as like kind of like a, like a lab Mm -hmm. for testing different looks against them. Because like, quite frankly, by the end there, I was like watching them just, eat Zion apart on defense that man couldn't like he was working so hard on defense and he was, just had this like look of just like help <laughs> <laughs> but like if you're if you're thinking that you might see them in the playoffs that's like very savvy to like get a look at what they look like and obviously they will evolve over the season too but then they'll get another chance to do that in March and it's just like icing on the cake that they were able to like eat out a win there mm-hmm. yeah and like, I don't know I don't know how much of it is on purpose and I don't know, I don't know how much of it is the front office and the coaching staff playing chess, but I, you know, it's really, you know, emblematic of the fact that we have a very different team, not just in personnel, not just the fact that we have a different coaching staff than we, you know, did for a decade and, you know, not, but also like in the style that they play and also the attitude with which they seem to be approaching um, the long term, like, when have they ever, you know, been proactive about resting guys who maybe like, you know, weren't like completely broken and a, they didn't have the luxury to know that they, I guess, had a chance to win, or maybe they just never felt like they did. And so they never like gave anybody a chance to actually try to prove that they could win because it was like Damien or nothing. And it was like, if Damien sat, we just chalked that up as a loss, you know, whether or not the other teams, you know, could have stepped up and performed the way this current team is we'll never know because it just simply never happened yeah that's 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 right (laughs) well that's right so when we were talking about um what we were looking for in this team a few episodes a few episodes ago we were talking about like what we were wondering what the basketball was going to look like um, and just like what kinds of things were going to be different. Cause you know, last year was such an odd, uh, such an oddity. And before that we had uh, 10 years of one really specific system and a really specific look. So we talked about like what we were going to be looking for this year. I talked about, you know, my old favorites, dunks, assists, watching young guys, young guys play. I think you talked about, um, uh, player movement and fast break points and just like, was the team going to run more? What was all that look like? So we've got a few games under the belt. It's not a huge sample size, but I thought it was enough for us to start talking about. Um, anybody who follows me on Twitter has probably noticed that I've been keeping track of these statistics game by game. Twitter at TCB Biggs, as long as Twitter lasts, <laughs> they can go. <laughs> they can go and see that. Um, I've been keeping track of dunks, assists, passes, rebounds, fast break points, um, distances, and how many minutes the rookies play. And I thought we could talk about a couple of those things to see whether or not the team is actually playing a different style, and if we can actually like quantify whether or not what we're seeing seems to also be true. Um, I don't want to do all those stats because then we'll just be like everybody else's podcast <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about analytics. But I thought we should talk about a few. Um, and so the first one that I want to talk about is dunks because that is my absolute favorite thing. And um, if you were okay, well, actually, the first thing I want to talk about is I had a really hard. I, I don't know like what I should be comparing anything to 
first of all. Right. Because last year is not a good comparison. Yeah. Like we were, we weren't playing to win last year. And, and it's also like the way that they looked was very different from the beginning of the year to the, uh, to the end of the year. Can you hear my husband um, mowing the lawn? Okay, good. (laughs) Hopefully that's not coming through. (laughs) I'll try to fix that if it can't, but uh, he just decided to mow the lawn. I'm certainly not going to tell him not to mow the lawn because that's a good thing. Um, But anyway, okay. So um, as far as dunks goes, if you had to guess, do you think the Blazers are dunking more this year than they did last year and the year before? Yes and yes. Okay. So how much do you think? A lot? A little? It feels like a lot, but also it feels like it's just a more athletic, like like qualitatively, the dunks are more exciting this year. I remember, I remember early in the year last year, watching Cody Zeller dunk and it looked like he was dunking in slow motion. And I was very pleased to see him dunk, but it was so anticlimactic to watch this man jump out of a giant bowl of pudding and just get the ball in so slow and I was like is this as good as it gets for us please tell me this isn't as good as it gets for us so anyway <laughs> just the quality of the dunks this season are so much more enjoyable than the dunks we experienced last year yeah I know I was like it, it, I can't remember which game I was at um but it was it was in the Moda Center and I just was, I stood up and screamed like so many times and I, it felt like it. I think there were probably only like five or six total dunks that game, but they were all so good that they were worth standing up for. Um, okay. So what do the numbers reveal? So um, currently at least through 13 games, the Blazers are averaging 4.1 dunks per game. They have 53 total dunks, which puts them at 22nd in the league. So they're not, they're not spectacular in terms of numbers. They're not setting the league on fire. Um, I think, let's see, who has the current most dunks? Um, I didn't, oh, I think Denver has the most dunks. Nick Claxon on the, I think he's on Brooklyn now. He has 40 dunks and the Blazers have 53. So if that puts in perspective, <laughs> like they're not dunking a ton. They're, they're number 22 in the league. Um, last season, they finished 28th in the league in the number of dunks. So they finished um, with an average of 3.45. So they're really only dunking a little more than a half a dunk per game more um, than they did last season. But compare that to two seasons ago, the last season of the Stotts era, they were dunking 2.5 times per game. They were dead last in the number of dunks that they had. They finished with 183 dunks, which it was only a 72 game season, but they were like so far behind like the 29th team <laughs> in terms of dunks. And I think that year, maybe Rudy Gobert may have dunked more than the whole entire team. Um, the and He, only, he like basically only dunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his whole his whole thing is dunking yeah so like compared to last year they're like i said they're only a half a dunk more per game and the other weird thing about last year was that like like you were saying cody zeller was dunking all over the place larry nance was dunking all over the place but like it just it just didn't feel like it and when you have these young athletic guys with doing those dunks that like just get everybody standing up 
it feels like more than just a half a dunk more to me. Yeah, it's true. Vince Carter was not celebrating any of those Larry Nance <laughs> Jr. or Cody Zeller dunks last season. He was not talking about their upper room. Yeah, <laughs> that was so cool. Can you imagine being Shaden Sharp and ha- having like Vince Carter talking about your dunks? I absolutely cannot imagine being Shaden Sharp in, for, in any way, shape, or form. But I am thrilled for him because, you know, he's, like, from the burbs of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, what a joy. Like, the best dunker maybe in modern history. Have you seen, like, the tiniest little bitty shades of a smile coming out of Shaden now? Like Yes. He's so stone-faced. He's so blank-faced, like not betraying any emotion. But every once in a while, every once in a while, you can see he's almost smiling. And I love it. He likes um, winning, I think. <laughs> I think it, and he likes he likes doing well. You know, I think, I, I really think like, you know, there's all this talk about like connectivity or whatever. I think they also like to do well for each other. And mm-hmm. you know when you've done well for each other. And speaking of doing well, I don't think we can't talk about dunks without um, without talking about Drew Eubanks, because um, he's also been spectacular in that department. I have been so pleasantly surprised with Drew Eubanks because I thought like we looked at him all last year and not the whole season. I guess we signed him like later in the season, but like we had so much so much time to look at him as a player and I never would have dreamed that he would be this good when he was within like lineups that are built to win mm-hmm. when we like when we saw the roster at the beginning of the season and I was like it's just Nurk and Drew Eubanks are you sure turns out he's a totally great backup big and Justice Winslow also like when they play small ball is a great backup big too like I don't know like it, I, I just could have never dreamed that it would work this well when he was playing in lineups that were like designed to play well together and win Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think it was as big of a disaster um as was predicted like how the front court was going to be just like so thin um and if yusuf nurkic misses games like it's just gonna like you know be a disaster i think one thing that we that i know i didn't notice enough about drew eubanks last season and i started thinking about this because um um brooke olsendam and casey holdall talked about it on their podcast the blazers balcony they mm-hmm. talked about they said after josh hart drew eubanks is probably the most competitive person that they've watched um that he hates to lose just like josh hart does and i so i started watching him with that and it's like yeah like he's got some um you know he doesn't back down and like he'll get mad if you know something goes wrong and like he and josh hart actually go go back and forth a lot i see him like going back and forth with the coach a lot so i think that he's like it's got to be fun for the coach to have somebody who's like that actively trying to um uh, improve even just during the course of the game for the sake of his team and what is needed for his team and i think that's pretty cool that is cool. And um, I, I haven't paid attention to that at all, but now I will. That how yeah. competitive Drew Eubanks seems. Yeah, no, apparently he's like super competitive. I mean, we all have seen how Josh, how Josh Hart is competitive. But when I, when I go back and think about it, the other person that I've seen kind of going at it with Josh Hart, like trying to figure things out on, on the field um, is Drew Eubanks is a person that he's often engaged with. So something to keep, keep watching. So dunks, smaller, you know, uh, 
uh, a small volume increase, but a big heart increase. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> I would say this season. Um, okay. Another stat that I've been tracking um, is assists and um, the Blazers again, two years ago, had averaged 21.3 per game dead last 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 year of Stotts's uh, era and this is like not to like say anything bad about Stotts but I think that's kind of when it was clear it had run its course and so that was just sort of like the end <laughs> so 21.3 assists two seasons ago 22.9 so uh you know a pretty substantial increase last season they were still ranked 26 so still in the bottom and this year they're up to 23.5 they've crawled their way up to 22nd in terms of assists so i'm not really sure how much this tells us what do you think okay but hear me out so the like the like partner the partner stat to this would be like shooting percentage right mm -hmm. because you cannot make assists unless people make their shots and if i recall the last year of the stots era was an abysmal shooting team wasn't because remember we spent a lot of years trying to make like guys who weren't really shooters into <laughs> shooters we like incentivize them and like try to like juice their contracts by giving remember we gave mo harkless oh. a bonus for making 30 percent of his threes <laughs> like we tried to turn guys into shooters and we like weren't very successful and so what that tells me is that how many people were good shooters that also were not primary ball handlers Mm -hmm. I, I think in addition to needing to know what the shooting percentage is, and I didn't look it up, so I'll have to do that next time. I think the other thing that we didn't need to know is like percentage of um, uh, isolate, how much they played in isolation versus not in isolation. So I think that would be really revealing in terms of that, because I started to think maybe assist wasn't like the best uh, thing to be to be tracking, but it's encouraging that they're not dead last. <laughs> yeah totally i also think more guys pass now like there's a lot more like just from like the eye test a lot more guys move a lot more guys pass we make a lot i feel like we make more passes probably per possession than we used to mm -hmm. and also just more guys are making their shots when you're winning this much guys are making their shots so you're gonna probably put more assists on the board than when you were not making your shots mm -hmm. so yeah. um you know but like good on all those guys good on like the justice Winslows of the world who are there to play make who are not like guards mm -hmm. i thought like for a long time it was just like the cj or day made assists and nurk sometimes had like a had a good number of assists but outside of that we were not like an assist machine like team no and you know a, a spectacular assist is great especially when it's an alley-oop um but you brought up a really important thing which i think was probably more the question that i was asking which was the number of passes because it used to be again back to isolation you know damer cj brings it up you know maybe a few um maybe a, a player two is run to get them free and give them a little bit more space but not so much like the whole group passing and ball movement and so uh, that wasn't, that's another thing that I've been tracking this season. Um, so two years ago, back in uh, 2021, the, um, they averaged 244.6 passes per game. Dead last 
again, so for the first three statistics that we've talked about, the Blazers were dead last in dunks, assists, and passes. Um, so 244. Last year, a big jump. Um, and I'm really curious about where this big jump came from. So 244 to 276 passes per game. So did that huge increase come all in the second half when they were, you know, scrapped the initial plan and just, he just let the guys go out and play. Um, or, you know, did Larry Nance and Cody Zeller um, and whoever was else was on the team at the time, Norman Powell, you know, uh, contribute to more passing just, uh, just alone last year. So they went from 244 passes per game to 276 and they're up just a little bit more, just a hair at 279 uh, this season. So they went from 30th two years ago. They're now at 17th in terms of the number of passes per game. Anything stand out to you? You know, I mean, the huge jump is big. But also, I the one thing that I think about is um, how, like, we didn't have Dame. <laughs> early for most of last season so it's hard to know exactly I mean I guess we haven't had Dame the entirety of the season either but like sometimes passes happen because the people looking for the right passes and sometimes passes happen because people don't want to take shots Mm -hmm. and Mm. um excellent point I mean you know the not all I guess what I'm saying is not all passes are created equal so I don't know what exactly I to if I'm being totally honest, I did not watch every game last season because it was hard to watch. <laughs> but um, you know, I did see some guys passing up shots because they were good shots for them. Mm-hmm. And when you had a team that was like, you know, not designed to win, they weren't necessarily looking for really good shots. Um, and this year, I feel like the passing is much more intentional. It's like you know they're spreading the floor they're making the right cuts they're creating space for one another and so they're, they're also opening up those passing lanes and trying to make the right passes to get the right shot a high quality shot and i and i'm not saying that last season they were like throwing or anything but like i don't think that they were necessarily playing these like lineups to win and to i feel like it was a little bit more of a learning experience than anything and also like for billups to get a look at the guys and see what they're all about um, but it's just hard to compare in a, in a year where you're tanking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super hard, but what a huge difference between two years ago, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge, uh, that was a huge leap. Also, we were playing like way more pick and roll then, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in 2021, it was like all pick and roll all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're still doing that, but I don't think they're doing it as much. And one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of games, I've been watching Anthony Simons a lot and I've seen him several times especially with Drew Eubanks like he's got Anthony has really good chemistry I think with with Drew Eubanks but I've seen several where Anthony will catch the ball and he won't be in a great spot for him so Drew will move Anthony will pass it to Drew and then relocate into a better spot and yeah so, like, that's not Anthony being, like, a passing, like, point guard. That's Anthony being a smart shooting guard who knows where his spot is and knows that he's got somebody there who will help him get there. Yeah, I actually, I I've, I noticed that, too. Drew often comes in, like, like basically helps him move. 
Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's actually where Justice Winslow also becomes really important to play in those like non-Dame lineups Mm -hmm. who can help playmake in those situations. Um, Because I I don't know what it is. Anthony does not seem comfortable being on the ball the way Dame does. You know, Dame is really good at like, he'll take the double team sometimes. He won't just pass out of it. Ant seems really, really like he gets i feel like he's nervous when he sees the double coming and he wants mm-hmm. to move immediately um and you know Dame's really confident in his handles and he's he knows that if he takes a double team he creates space somewhere else and he's confident that he's going to be able to find the right passes to get the to find the open guy but i don't think that that's like anthony's comfort zone yet um and drew is like a good like i don't want to say band-aid but like he's a good like alternative to that where he can really enable Ant to get to his spots. And then Justice Winslow is also really good for that because he also helps make those makes the right passes to often get Ant in, his, in a spot that he's comfortable taking the shot from. Like, I don't think he necessarily needs to be, Anthony Simons doesn't necessarily need to be like a great ball handler, but he needs to be in lineups without Dame that can help him like enable his offense to be like at a really high level because that's really where he shines. Yeah, and I really hope that the coach really tries to emphasize Anthony as a shooting guard rather than trying to pound him into the role of a point guard. So I'm, I'm not saying that Anthony is not, you know, comfortable with that, but there are other players on the team right now, like you already said, who, you know, are comfortable in that role. Justice, Josh, you know, can do that to some extent. Keon. Um, Keon. Yeah. Like, so like, I, I, I'm happy to see it when they're not really just like trying to force Anthony into being uh, the backup point guard. Like, you know, CJ always was the backup point guard when Dame was out. So um, I'm super encouraged by the slight elevation in dunks, the, and I'm really encouraged by the, ele- the, you know, the amount that passes have gone up. I found that really fun and definitely significantly different from what we saw two years ago. Um, I just want to talk about really say something really quick about Anthony Simons. One of the things that really helps me watch him and appreciate his game more is to remind myself that he is not a CJ replacement, Mm -hmm. which I think sometimes I get like trapped into that mindset that like he took CJ's job. Yes, that used to be CJ's spot, but like he's not a CJ replacement. They're going to play a different style of ball. He has a different skill set. He has different like different talents than CJ did. And like to think that he has to be a ball handler to like, for, that's probably like my my mistake to like even think about him that way when it's clearly like that's not his comfort role. And for him to be able to like be a serviceable passer while not being an on the ball guy all the time, like that's great. Like we need we need great guys who move off the ball and find open looks and are aggressive when they need to be. And he they don't need to be CJ. Um, we have a different supporting cast now, and hopefully like. That they enable whoever isn't Anthony Simons in the shooting guard position to be like a true shooting guard and to like play the best ball for his talents, which is just, it's just different. And that's great. And I, I just want to put that out there because I always feel like I think of Anthony Simons through that CJ lens a little too much and I need to get myself out of it. And maybe other people are the same, but Anthony Simons looks good. I like him off the ball. He looks much more comfortable moving off the ball. Not everybody has to be a passer. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You hit the nail on the head on that one. A um, couple more statistics if you want to talk about them. I've been also tracking rebounds, fast break points, and uh, distance. Any of those pique your interest you want to talk about? 
the only thing I want to talk about actually is distance because I was surprised to see that this team travels more than even the Stotts era team. Not traveling, traveling. No but... traveling. Like travel the long, the furthest on the court throughout. Runs the most, yeah, distance. But CJ and Game are always like in the top five, and um, it's shocking to me that they could be in the top five every year, but we could still be dead last ranked thirtieth in the Stotts era. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that tells me is that more guys are running on this current team than during the Stotts era where CJ and Dane were doing all of the running on the team. So it means that more guys are positioning themselves, um, you know, to, to spread the floor or get good looks or whatever. And um, maybe that's really been really, really great for like the, the offensive dynamic, right? More guys moving creates more space, creates more also defensive chaos. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I was just very surprised to see that they were like that they were running more this season than in the Stotts era where Dave and CJ were literally like one in four or something <laughs> every season. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the the raw numbers that we're talking about right now, two years ago, the Blazers were again dead last <laughs> in distance for miles. They were averaging 17.05 miles per game. So again, that put them um last in in ranks. And I guess I should should have said this earlier. I'm trying not to look at these as like good or bad. I'm trying to look at them as an explanation of how the Blazers play and what their style was. So dead last makes it seem a little bit like, like you shouldn't run just for the sake of running, you know, and I'm sure that there's good teams who don't run as much, just like there's good teams who don't have as many assists or, or whatever. So these are not meant to be like, a judgment necessarily but i think it is pretty curious the ones that they were all like the last in the league in terms of just like raw numbers so they were they ran the fewest miles 17.05 they were 30th and uh they're currently up to 17.64 which puts them at 23rd in the league so they're still in the bottom half um but like what you said i anthony is i think the one who's run the most miles on the team but he's not in the top five like we were accustomed uh to seeing damien and um uh, cjn and i think you're right so i think that more guys are running more i mean think about how many times we would watch damon cj run dame would run the flare and he or you know dame or cj would run the flare and everybody else was just standing there and you know it it worked. It got him to the playoffs a lot. <laughs> it got him to the playoffs a whole lot. And that is good. But this to me is, is so much more interesting. And plus we have all these guys with young legs. Yeah. It also like kind of like hammers home how like, like previous teams were not really as versatile. Um, previous Blazers teams are not as versatile as this team. Whereas like, you know, Jeremy Grant can shoot from a lot of places on the floor. He can move around a lot and still get a good look. And then you had those guys in like, you know, some of the older teams that we had were like, you camp in the corner and if you get open, then great. We'll mm-hmm. pass it to you. But like you, like the, some of those players were not like versatile enough to move the, to move around the floor and know that they would get a good look. Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant can get a good look from apparently almost anywhere. <laughs> his game last night was amazing it was a bummer that the blazers ended up losing to dallas because jeremy grant had a fantastic fantastic game and yeah he just i just like oh my gosh he fits in he fits in so well it's just a joy to watch him on this team 
it's the yeah. best i'm so i'm so i'm also so happy for him after being in uh detroit on a, like a not very successful run there and i one of the things i like i i saw on twitter was like oh um you know good riddance jeremy grant when like, detroit fans were like over him like a lot of people were like not excited to try to like keep him or something and a lot of the comments i see this year on clips of jeremy grant doing well in portland was the uh, pistons fans being like oh i didn't know he had that in his game and i'm like yeah well good you know like i guess it's a good parting for both of you if you didn't want him and he didn't you know he didn't he couldn't show that there but he can show it here like this is a good breakup it sounds like <laughs> yeah it sounds like it was good for everybody and i'm i i can't wait to uh when we start getting into like get to know a player because i've been reading about jeremy grant and learning more about him just like we you know we always do when we get new players we just haven't gotten around to it uh this season but you know his uh his arc his story arc and the different places that he's played it's you know it, it looks a lot like pretty intentional like he like he like knew what he was doing when he like when he went to different places he knew what his role was going to be and then with Detroit it was like a big role and he knew that he was uh taking it on and just because he's not there anymore doesn't mean he failed in that role it just means that he took it on he saw what it was like and now he's doing um something different and also Detroit is just in a different place like you know they're in a different uh trajectory with you know, trying to, trying to win. They're still, they're a fun, they're a fun team to watch um, actually. Well, thank you for indulging me on all the statistical stuff. I don't like to get too analytical, but I think it is interesting to track some of these things to like try, like I was really surprised that, you know, assists weren't that high and I was really gratified to see that passes were. Um, so one of the things that we are doing this year again is, our awards and if people want to hear more about the what awards they can go back and listen to one of our uh our, i can't remember what we called it probably, oh i think it's called what awards again um uh so just to remind folks you might have to help me with this rose we are gonna we're we're uh doing bench celebrator man of the year assistant coach of the year um uh best accessorizer mm -hmm. um mentor of the year most most valuable, valuable ment mentor mentor and then uh social media player of the year and i think it'd be it's a good idea for us to continually check in on those to find out if we've got any front runners if anything has stood out for you for any of those awards um and We've actually started a Discord channel. We're joining all the other podcasts out there who now have a Discord channel in case Twitter explodes. But I'm um, talking about it now because I would love for our listeners to help us track some of these things for awards because those are not the easiest awards to track. <laughs> There's no Kia, Kia ladder for, um, you know, most valuable mentor. Um, so uh, our listeners, if you have any um, ideas, thoughts, uh, witness anything that you think would uh, help us with our decision on, you know, who should be nominated for the awards, please share them either on Twitter or you can go to our Discord channel. Our Discord is going to be in the link to the show and then it will also be in our Twitter link as long as Twitter exists. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, any do, any early front runners for you in terms of the awards? Okay, I'll be totally honest. I have no idea about assistant coaches yet. 
there are new coaches, assistant coaches this year that weren't even here last year. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who are you? So I haven't even looked into that part yet. I will say, I think that we were right that Jeremy Grant is a fashion front runner. He has great accessories, but I do think because we went with accessories this year, there is some good competition. Mm-hmm. For instance, I love Nurk's Bosnia bling. Mm-hmm. He has that like chain that he wears with Bosnia, like the like the outline of Bosnia on it. Love it. It's great. Goes well with all of the the colorful suits he's been rocking this season. Um, I feel like he must have had a bunch of suits made because mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's rocking a lot of different suits. He had that was it a mustard suit the other day? Well, and he's had that for years as well as like the purple plaid one. Oh yeah, um, and I bet you he'll bring out that like teal blue one soon. And I think one mm-hmm. of the interesting things about Nurk is how he's not afraid to reuse his stuff and you know mix things up a little bit and like use the same pieces but in different ways. Um, and so that might might also you know be considered accessorizing. Yeah, maybe we'll see that uh, photographer utility vest again come out. <laughs> that thing is so weird. I have to say, as far as um, Jeremy Grant's uh, fashion and accessorizing, I'm not a fan of the shoes that have the big toe separated out from the rest of the toe. And he really likes those shoes. He does that are like flip flop shoes. But they're but, shoes, yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. like your your big toe is over here, and then the rest of your uh, toes are somewhere else. Maybe they're really comfortable, or maybe he just has a really good deal with them. But I'm just I'm not a fan of those. But I do love the way he rocks the wide leg pants, and I feel like like Damien had on some like whitish, whitish legish pants the other day, which I was like, oh well, this is interesting. Um, but my favorite accessory so far this year is Justice Winslow's vest. Um, yes, he is a good dresser. I did not appreciate his uh, fashion sense. He also looks good in hats. Not everyone looks good in hats. He looks good in hats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think hats are for everybody. For me, they are always a mistake. <laughs> They're for keeping my head warm and that is it. But he can rock. He is. He can rock hats. One of my other so, favorite things about the walk-up entrances is how tiny Yusuf Nurkic makes look makes any drink look. He always has a drink, and it always looks miniature. Like, and yeah. maybe I think he gets like small drinks anyway. I don't think he gets like twenty ounces, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, it, they just look so tiny in his hands. And his phone. It's so funny when I see these guys holding their phones and I was like, what phone are you holding? Oh, it's the same phone I have, but your hand is massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's really funny. And also the, actually one of the things I find really romantic about Dame is that he still rocks like kind of an older iPhone. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. It's like not one. It's not, he doesn't like, you know, a bunch, most guys like they like upgrade when the new phones come out because they're millionaires. And games like my old phone with one camera lens works just fine, so he sticks with it. Um, but you know, like that's how you stay a millionaire, I guess. <laughs> you don't buy a new phone if you don't need it. Um, I wanted to point out that uh, our third co-host Cassidy has kept tabs on whether Jeremy Grant accessorizes his game shoes to fit his outfits his walk-up outfits i don't know if you if you saw her like tracking this on twitter 
but like she she feels pretty confident that at least sometimes that's what he's doing that he's choosing his game shoes to fit the outfits that he walks up in and i'm like oh that is very interesting it was so the first one i think that really drew attention was when he had those like black the black and mustard game shoes and he had like a black a mostly black with some like mustard accent uh like motorcycle jacket Mm, fascinating yes and so i am very excited to keep an eye on that because cassidy has a very keen eye for that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you know she will not rest until she knows what's what (laughs) So if that's really like part of his game, like those are, those are extra points, sir. Good job. I'm just glad when he wears shoes that have like a regular footbed. Yeah. (laughs) Don't have that weird toe separation thing. I don't like those. What are those shoes called where all the toes are out? Oh yeah. I don't like those. Those are even odder to me. I used to have a boss that only wore those in the office. And I was like, I just like I just don't want shoes that said that much about me. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, any so one of our our new awards is uh social media player of the year, and in an effort to like kind of track that throughout the year, um, we were thinking about uh sort of doing one a week, just like you know rookie of the year. You know they have rookie of the month. And then at the end of, they give, you know, rookie of the year. So we're going to do social media player of the week when we remember. Um, do you have any uh, entries in who you think should be the social media player of the week this year or this week? I have two. One, I don't think is probably the winner, but also, I'll put, but I'll put it out there anyways. I saw that on this road trip, Josh Hart wore a sweatshirt that his wife gave him. And like Casey took a picture of him and like made sure that Josh's wife saw. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is adorable mm-hmm. because obviously like the road trip was kind of long and, you know, he wanted his wife to know that like the shirt that she bought him, he was wearing on a road trip. And I just think that's very sweet. But I do think that, that one player ran away with social media player of the week and it's dame because dame had two killer posts one about his wife and one about his mom and i was like man you're killing it yeah game over his wife had her i think they both had birthdays this week and he just put up these adorable posts i loved the picture that he posted of him and his wife when they were super young they must have been in college and they just looked like babies and they were so cute i just cute i loved that so dame dame was one of my um Uh, definitely one of my nominees. Another one this week is Josh Hart's very simple Twitter. I love this team was amazing. Like I just thought like that galvanized the fan base. It galvanized his teammates. I mean, that was a strong play for like him to come out and say that. Cause I mean, it's just like, I'm sure that I don't, the Pelicans aren't going, oh, what, you didn't love us? And the Lakers aren't going, oh, you didn't love us? You know, it was like him in the moment saying how much he loved this particular team. And I just thought, I thought that was amazing. And then another one that I thought was really fun is that um, I'm trying to get on TikTok, although it scares me because I don't understand how to look at it. Um, but uh, Jabari Walker did a little collage of all of his walk-up outfits so far. And I was like, good on you. Nice job. But I am with you. I think Dame really runs runs away with it this um, this week. 
I think that there's there's very rare occasions where like Dame is really showing his like his like soft emotions, and it's always a joy to see it. And it's becoming more and more common. I think now that he's like a dad, and he's kind of really. I think he's really grown into like. I mean, not that he wasn't an adult before, but he's like a man. He's like a man with responsibilities mm-hmm. who like with family that he's responsible to and they're responsible to him. Like, I don't know. He's just, I feel like it's it's more common now in the last few years that we've seen him like show those softer emotions, um, which I love. And um, we, we did always get to see the hotter ones in like game, game situations, you know, where he was like more like um, assertive and like leaderly mm-hmm. in like a professional setting. Um, but those like softer, like more personal ones are always so lovely. Like he, there was a couple earlier where, where you would see him like show those emotions towards CJ a little bit in like game contexts. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I just love seeing him be a dad. I love seeing him be a husband. I love seeing him be like a like a really important pillar in his family. Like you know, Bane is the embodiment of Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious with his family. <laughs> And when you're making a Fast and Furious reference, we know that you know it and mean it. Oh, I know it. (laughs) Uh, I would also just want to give Dame a shout out for, like, he had a a good case for Bench Celebrator Man uh, this week when he was uh, just loving Shaden Sharp's performance. And I think all over Twitter, I saw people just say over and over and over again how much fun it is to see Damien being having so much fun. And I think we just we're all in a place where it's like Damien worked so hard for this team for so long and to see others succeed and for him to like take joy in that is just an awesome thing. And he honestly, I was, when I was thinking about it and I was watching him be so joyful on the bench for these guys, I was like, a lot of the biggest, best plays for Dame he was in the game for, he couldn't Mm -hmm. be bench celebrator man of the year before because he was on, he was playing like 39 minutes. And he was going to be in that game. And a lot of the times it was his play, you know, like, so, I mean, the fact that there are this many other players out there having those types of plays where Dame can be on the bench and be bench, be like, even in the running for bench celebrator man of the year, like, that's like, that's a testament to the team. Like, good job. It's allowing us to see that aspect of Dame's game. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And, um, one more plug for our uh, listeners uh, to join the Discord. And if you see especially Bench Celebrator Man of the Year, like examples, because those are really hard to track and go back and find because, of, you know, we see so many photographs of the game that it's a little bit more rare. Although the Trailblazers do occasionally like throw up a post that's like a Bench Celebrator Man, but those ones are hard. So please help us um with uh find those out and any any of the awards if you have thoughts and uh people that you want to put up for consideration please share those with us especially people who go to the games because we only when we're at home we only like get to see what the cameras show us and we know sometimes we miss stuff and sometimes even the cameras miss it like you just see the end the tail end of it Mm -hmm. so the people who are in the arena are definitely going to get a different vibe than the rest of us who are watching on tv Mm -hmm. Well, we should probably wrap it up. Do you uh, have anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. I just, I want to reiterate that I hope people come join us in the Discord. We had our first, like, kind of successful live game chat the other day, and that was super fun. Even though we lost, we won't talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> Let's move on. And I want to end by with our takes. 
because this week you could have any type of take you want. So Tara, what's your take today? I'm so stressed about this. I realized that I named this podcast. We have a take, but I realized that I'm absolutely terrified to have a take. I don't know what my take is. Let me think. Okay. Um, a, a take for this week. I mean, I'm really proud of my take about Drew Eubanks, but we've talked about that a whole bunch. My Okay. Oh, this is going to be a wild one. And um, I think at some point during this season, Yusuf Nurkic is going to go on a tear such that even just for a little while, he's going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Not saying that he's going to win it. I'm saying there's going to be a point in time where he goes on a tear that puts him in that conversation. I would love that for him. Me too. That would that would, that would really like juice his confidence, I think. And mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I would love that for him. So that's my take. What's about you? What's yours? Well, I have a take that's a basketball take, but I also have a take that's not a basketball take. I'm going to tell them both. I feel like I want to have two takes this week. One, I think Jeremy Grant's going to be an all-star. Everybody is saying that. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I I don't, is it, why? How? How does this happen? He has been been featured at a, like, like in the offense and also on defense. Like he's been featured as a superstar in our lineup. And he's not the guy. He's like probably, he's like the second guy or the third guy even. I don't know. It's hard to know who's second. But he is a key player on both sides of the ball. And it's also a player that I think has defied expectations where like a lot of people had decided what kind of player he was. And then he's suddenly broken out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that a lot of people have in in like NBA journalism or commentary or whatever you want to call it, had decided what his like kind of range, the range of him as a player is. And he's breaking that a little bit. And I think he's raised his ceiling beyond what some people expected from him. And that if your team is winning can make you all-star worthy. His his usage is high. He can carry a team when Dame is not on the floor, but he doesn't have to because Dame will be on the floor with him quite a bit. Like he looks like an all-star wing right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree, and I super want that to happen. I just, like, all of a sudden this year, the Blazers are going to get two All-Stars. Like, all those years that CJ did everything that CJ did and that he's not going to get it. And I'm, like, not saying it's a bad take because I you're not the only person. I've heard a lot of people saying it, and I, I super want it to happen. I just am, like, kind of shocked because it's, like, Portland's going to get two. But then also, if you look at the West, it's not a great year. No, no, no. It's not a great year for the superstars in the West. Not a great year. What if Dave is playing with an all-star right now and Steph isn't? Because they don't look that good right now. I mean, we know that they're all-star caliber players, but they don't look as good Mm -hmm. as someone like Jeremy Grant looks this year. Yeah, great point. And so, you know, you're used to like Draymond Green all-star and Klay Thompson all-star, but like what if, or Andrew Wiggins all-star, but like what if there's zero other all-stars on that team besides Steph and Dame's playing with Jeremy Grant and he has one. Mm -hmm. And everybody's always said, oh, what can Dame do with another Mm all-star? You know, he's never had another, he's never played with another all-star after LaMarcus. Like maybe we'll get to see. Mm -hmm. From your mouth to God's ears. I'm rooting for you, Jeremy. (laughs) <laughs> I need I need to be right on this one. I need this for all of us. Okay, I have one other small take. And this is just something because I've eaten like a thousand pieces of Halloween candy in the last couple of weeks. This is my non-basketball take. 
mini peanut butter cups are better than the regular size and extra large peanut butter cups. Really? Yes. How the so? The chocolate to peanut butter ratio is superior in the tiny, the, the, the mini peanut butter cups. The bigger ones and the extra, the extra big ones are just like a mouthful of peanut butter with a dash of chocolate and I hate them. The regular ones are okay, but the mini ones are superior because the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is just better. Sorry, hot take, whatever. We're going to need listeners to weigh in on that one. Um, I I think I might disagree. I think I might hard disagree. I love the big ones. I love that big, like, you. Get, it, it feels like you're eating a pie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to a tartlet. But you yeah. know what? If it's the right, if it's the right ratio for you, then, um, then that's right. Yeah. Listeners, you don't join have to the have discord the same taste on this. Yeah. We don't have to have the same taste. That's what's going to Some people are fun. there for the chocolate. Some people are there for the peanut butter and some people are there for both. Oh, now I really want one. I didn't get enough <laughs> Halloween, Halloween candy this, this, um, this year. Well, Rose, thank you so much for, uh, this has been great. We covered a ton. My God, got to know you a little bit more and we've made multiple pleas for people to join the discord channel for when t- Twitter inevitably explodes. We can at least find each other there. We'll put the links in the show notes and we'll also put it in Twitter as long as Twitter exists. Rose, where can people find you if they want to find out other takes that you have? Uh, you can still find me on Twitter as long as it's online at Roselle Hardy. Uh, you can also find me on our Discord channel. Um, I am one of, Tara and I are both the server admins there, and we would love to see you come through, come say hi, come banter with us about our hot takes about peanut butter cups. We're here for it all. And Rose is definitely the lead on the Discord server, and I'm basically not allowed to touch it anymore. <laughs> Rose's still a learner. She's a learner in administration, but she's going to get there. Uh, You can find our um, podcast at We Have a Take on Twitter. I believe we're also on Instagram under the same name. You can find me at TCB Biggs. And um, that's about it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Go Blazers! Go Blazers!